Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Lessons from the Book of Job. Please remember to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find our previous podcasts and study resources. You'll also find a list of the many podcast apps and platforms on which our podcast can be found. Before we get into this study, Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness and love. We thank you for your word that you have left us for instruction in righteousness, for correction, for reproof. Please help us that we will study it and understand it and rightly divide it as we go into this lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lessons from the book of Job. There are lots of lessons in the book of Job. Job is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And the book of Job, 42 chapters, has tremendous, tremendous, tremendous lessons. This book was the first book that Moses wrote. And it has so many lessons in there. We're going we're gonna to hang out in just chapter 1 for today. Just chapter 1 reading from the King James. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep and three thousand camels and five hundred yoke of oxen and five hundred she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East." Okay, pause. The timing, we're not given the exact time where Job lives, but we are given some clues and some hints. These are not, strictly speaking, part of the lesson that we want to learn, but I always like to understand as much about the people involved when studying them, because it helps. Context is important. Job lives, Job appears to live in the time between the flood and the time of Abraham, right? He lives probably a few hundred years before the time of Abraham because the age, when you look at, um, he has all these children, and when you go all the way to the end of Job, when you go all the way to the last chapter, Job chapter 42, listen to what it says. After everything has happened, He has children. Let's read from verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah and the name of the third Karen Hapak. And in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this, listen carefully, 
After this, Job lived an hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Okay, so after all of this, and the, the reading seems to even imply after the having of the second set of children, he lived a hundred and forty years. That puts him, that puts him in a pretty good place. Right, that puts him in a pr pretty good place. He had ten children when he when we start. If you look at the biblical account in Genesis uh, five and eleven, the genealogies, right? You could argue that he was somewhere around you know thirty or forty when he started having children, and if you space them out a little bit, you know he could be anywhere between sixty and eighty during this story, and so if he lives one hundred and sixty years after that, he's into the two hundred forty to 300 range, right? That's, that's, he's not a young man, okay? He's not a young man. So this is earlier than the time of Abraham because we can see that the age of man diminished steadily. Terah, Abraham's father, lives to 205. So even if you make it as narrow as possible, that the, at the beginning of this story, Job is 40 and, at the, and he lives 160 more years, that puts him at 200 even, right? At the barest minimum, that puts him at 200 even. So he would have to be in that time just before Abraham, right? Richest man of the East. But it's important here for us to understand not just his background, but Job had some consistent behavior. So let's look at, at this lesson. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, Right, So his sons are old enough not to be in their home, in his home. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So the sisters still live with the father. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus did Job continually. This is a lesson to us in how we should relate to our children and their spiritual well-being. Especially as fathers, we should keep our children in our prayers. Intercessory prayer, especially from parents, is vital. Okay? Yes, every person has a choice to make. Right? Yes, the religion of the father cannot carry the son into or the or the children into eternity but intercessory prayer is powerful god has established that and we ought to do it christ prayed for his disciples christ paid prayed for peter in particular it is important that we take advantage of intercessory prayer okay job did this continually Verse 6, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Why was Satan there? Who are these sons of God? Well, these sons of God, like Adam, a son of God, are the leaders of the worlds that God has created. And we know that God created worlds because in Hebrews 1, it tells us this. Okay? Hebrews 1 tells us this. So there's a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. This would indicate that they have gone to where God is. This suggests a meeting in heaven, not a meeting on earth or some other place. 
because they went to where God is. And Satan came among them. Now, why would Satan be there? And the Lord is going to help us by asking Satan a question in verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Okay? Satan has claimed the earth as his. Christ calls him the, the prince of this world. Right? Paul refers to him as the prince of the power of the air. Satan has claimed this world, which he usurped from Adam by getting Adam to fall. Christ came and took it back and will finalize the taking of it back at the second coming. Okay. So Satan indicates, I've been going up and down on the earth. So the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? It's always awesome when God brags on you. Now, <laughs> there are consequences for God bragging on you. Um, but if God feels that way about you, praise the Lord. There are consequences. But in, the, in this world, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Christ has overcome this world. All who would live godly in Christ must suffer persecution. Remember that. So God brags on him. Awesome. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Now, it's, before we do verse 10, it's interesting how our perspective, how our perspective, projection, right? The word I'm looking for is projection. The way we view the world, the way we view situations, will be reflected in how we speak, how we think, how we look at things. Okay? Satan, formerly known as Lucifer, now known as the adversary, has come to the point, or came to the point, where he looked at everything very transactionally. Everything was about getting, you know, what's mine. And look at how he charges God. He says, does Job fear God for naught? Is it pointless that he serves you? Verse 10, hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. <laughs> Someone's been paying attention to Job. When, when, when God asked him, have you seen my servant Job? Oh yeah, he's seen Servant Job, he's been going up and down in the land, walking about, going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. He's been observing all of these people, and more than observing, he has been attempting to trip up everyone that he could. And he tells us in verse 10 that he's unable to do it to Job. And look at the reason. Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? I can't touch him, I can't touch his family, I can't touch his belongings. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. So Satan appears to believe that, that God's people only serve him 
because they are blessed by him. Is that true of you? Do you only serve God because of what you get from him or what you could get from him? Too often, our thoughts about God are also transactional. When we do something wrong, we, we think to ourselves, oh my, I'm not going to get that thing I prayed for. Or when we pray for something and have been praying for what we think is a long time, we think to ourselves, why am I not getting this? I'm doing everything that I should. Now, I'm not saying that we should be cavalier in our relationship with God. I'm not saying that we should be unconcerned with whether or not we are in alignment with his will. I'm saying that we have to be careful that we don't make alignment with his will a prerequisite for getting what we need. One, one hand washes the other, right? You, you wash my back, I'll wash yours. That's not the kind of relationship we should have with, with the Lord. And we may not realize that we are thinking that way. Sometimes the Lord extends, sometimes the Lord takes his time in answering our prayers to allow those kinds of thought processes to get exposed, right? Because ultimately he's working for our eternal good. He wants us to see those things that we may confess them and get the strength to be in accordance with his will. But we have to be careful that we are not transactional. When we see other people with stuff, we think to ourselves, you know, what are they doing that such and such? Or we see someone with a calamity and we think, eh, I wonder how they messed up. Right? We need to be careful that we do not reduce our relationship with God to a simple transactional relationship. And the Lord said unto Satan, verse 12, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And Job, in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, we see the handiwork of the enemy. And he does it in a very slick way. I say that grudgingly. But he does it in a very slick way because he allows the chaos to happen in a sequence where one person escapes it and those people manage to come and tell Job back to back to back to back. He maximized the pain. This is a true definition of terrorism. He maximized the pain of the news by ensuring that back to back to back to back, right? Listen to the verses. While he was yet speaking, there came another. While he was yet speaking, there came also another. While he was yet speaking, there came also another. Verses 16, 17, and 18 all begin with, while he was yet speaking. Back to back to back to back. Verse 20 says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, 
nor charged God foolishly. May the Lord help us that as we encounter the vicissitudes of life, the ups and the downs and the the chaos, especially, especially now at this time in Earth's history, help us that we will have the same kind of perspective as Job did, that we will intercede on behalf of our families and our children, and that when we receive the worst possible kind of news that we can receive, all your belongings have been destroyed and all of your children are dead. No one wants to receive all of that in four phases on one day, back to back to back. But Job, despite being in grief, worshipped the Lord. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these recorded stories, these accounts that have been left on record for our benefit. We feel for Job in this situation, even though we know how the story turns out. It's a painful read at times, but we're grateful for his fidelity to you. And as we go through this this series of, of readings, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to understand these key lessons and help us that we will uh, rightly divide your words of truth, understand how it is that we ought to act, how it is that we ought to respond. Please bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this study. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com whether you have questions, comments, or concerns. We look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others and always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.